turned out to be a punk rocker. You know what I do? Warning. This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and Bands. Welcome to Records and Bands. I'm Rob Jones. Leon is with me today, which usually means we're about to head on a hard rock deep dive. But no, not today, not this time. Tonight, Leon has brought along a couple of super fans of a band that they aren't really anywhere near either of our record collections. Um, So we're heading back to music school for a show that I'm calling Simple Minds for Simple People. Leon, we're the students tonight, but would you like to introduce our professors for the evening? Right. We have got a long-standing friend of mine and keyboard impresario, Jonathan Thomas. Plays keyboards for, you know, some little band in Herefordshire called Frontrunner. We've also got his friend of many years, uh, Sean Ehrlich. And I'm not going to go into too much detail about their relationship and how they came to know each other, because that's going to be done by them later on. But uh, it's safe to say that they're both very much into Simple Minds, as we'll hear in a bit. Um, So usually I do a brief facts and figures and a rundown of like the key information about whatever band we're covering but in this instance it seems a little bit silly because simple minds were for a spell one of the biggest bands in the world so it would be pointless i think in reminding our listener our dear dear listener how they were formed in glasgow in about 1977 and their first album came out in 79 and everybody should probably know that throughout the 80s they produced several albums which gained critical and commercial success, saw their songs being used in the biggest movies of the era and probably helped to define the 80s alternative sound. How many millions of records do you reckon Simple Minds have sold, Leon? Millions? Yeah. I'm going to go, um, if if Maiden have sold in the region of 120 million, I reckon they're going to be 70, 73 million. Any, any advance? Yeah, somewhere around there, I think. 60, I'm going. Uh, from the information I found, 70 million was Bob on. So I'm guessing Leon probably looked on the same Wikipedia page as I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess. There's never really been a band that's been in my wheelhouse. And I think that's probably to do with like my age. So like I started listening to music you know, in, in the 90s, so almost 10 years after they start really to get big. So like the biggest singles, I suppose, and the ones I would know would be Alive and Kicking, yeah. um, Promise Me a Miracle, Don't You Forget About Me, and maybe I, I remembered Belfast Child. Yeah, or that even massive. Or, or even Promised You a Miracle. Yeah. Is that, what, <laughs> is that sorry. Promised you, promise me. Yeah, but Rob, it's refreshing to hear somebody mention Promised You a Miracle. I think most people would just say don't you forget about me and Ivan kicking? Possibly, possibly Belfast Child. I would have said Waterfront. Well, yeah, true. Alive and kicking, I remember being used on the football. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Was it on like Match of the Day or was it the um, ITV version of Match of the Day? It was when Sky took over 92, 93 season, I think it was. And that, that was like their theme tune, if you like. So that was kind of force-fed at us, wasn't it? But that was... He got re-released around that time as well. So it right. actually, I think it charted twice. Um, so it's probably the re-release that I remember, to be honest. Yeah, it would have been the re-release, yeah, definitely, yeah. 
during that time, there's probably a stage where everything they released was gold. I think is if it didn't get critical success, it certainly sold loads and loads. Um, and they could easily stand shoulder to shoulder against some of the biggest names in the business towards like the end of the eighties, especially. If I'm being honest, I kind of lump them in with 80s era U2 in, in excess, which is pretty good company to be in. And I do get them a little bit mixed up sometimes. Yeah. Right. So regular listeners will know that we don't usually judge artists and bands on this show by like the the number of units they sell. We kind of judge them sometimes harshly by the integrity of their work and also the emotional impact they have on those that really love them. So, John and Sean, can you remember like when you first got into the band? Was it one of those bands that kind of grew on you both over time or was there a particular track or an album that took you from like No Simple Minds to All The Simple Minds? Yeah, so I think for me, I heard Don't You Forget About Me in the summer of uh, 85. I remember liking it. I didn't buy it. It didn't blow me away. But I heard Alive and Kick In some months later in September of 85. And that really pricked my ears up, so to speak. Yeah, so that was it. It was Alive and Kick In that really got me into the band. So then that album, Once Upon a Time, which Alive and Kick In featured on, was on my Christmas list for that year. And then whilst talking to some guy, some irritating pupil next to me in art class <laughs> about music and stuff. We both realized that we both liked Simple Minds and we both had the Christmas list, uh, the album, the Christmas list. And that's how we got talking about the band. Um, but Sean started earlier than I did. He already had the album previous to Once Upon a Time. Is that right, Sean? Yeah, I, I think the, the first track probably that grabbed my attention well, so I remember when, because it was their first top 20, it uh, promised you a miracle. And I actually, I think I can remember recording it, you know, back in a day, you know, where you'd have the top 40 on and you'd sit there with your little tape player. I think I taped it off the radio. And then I can remember when Sparkle in the Rain came out, it went to number one. But it was, it was quite a few months later, I actually bought it. And then probably... It's the same as you, mate. I don't you came out. It kind of passed me. I, I wasn't. I wasn't a massive fan. Well, still not really. But yeah. But again, I think it was when Alive and Kicking really was the one that really, really blew me away. And I saw that that point. I thought, right, this, this, this is this is my band because you know such such a, such a great track. I can remember hearing Alive and Kicking, and then talking to you in art class about that song, and then the album was coming out. But I was so excited by Live and Kicking that I went to Hereford and bought some previous albums, the earlier albums. I bought New Gold Dream from 82. I bought Real to Real from 79. So I really got, I really heard the earlier stuff, really, more so than the, uh, the, the mid-80s first. This is, this is something I was going to ask because obviously we're in the days of streaming now whereas if where you get into a band and you realize there's four or five albums previous you can just go oh they're all there whereas like me and Leon had this you know you get into Iron Maiden yeah well you speak to this Leon you get into Iron Maiden don't you and then you get a record then there's six more isn't there but how yeah. do you when you've got to buy them all how do you do that it, it was with me and Rob I don't know what it's like with you two but with as soon as I got one 
Rob had it. That's how, that's how easy it was. You know, I would uh, beg, borrow, steal uh, an album off a friend. And then my friend would have a, a copy of that album that I begged, borrowed or stole. And uh, I don't know if you share between each other. No, we don't really get on that well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all up front, really. No, I, I borrowed one. What's mine is yours. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Sean, I've still got your Gina G CD. I must, I must return it. Keep it. <laughs> I remember um, I remember borrowing Spark in the Rain off Sean. He scratched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I beg your pardon. So I, I heard that album first. And then it was then the next day, I think it was the next day I went to Hereford and bought the two earlier albums. So before, before Once Upon a Time was uh, in my Christmas sack, I got familiar with three earlier albums. So yeah, I've got Sean to thank for that, really. Uh, Sparkle was, the, blew me away. Sparkle in the Rain blew me away. I remember that really well. Um, with me and Leon, because I'm... I'm seeing some massive similarities here so leon and me are like our friendship was cemented by a love for iron maiden and if i'm honest for me it was a little bit if i want this guy to stick around and be friends with me i best put some effort in and i'll make sure i like what he likes a little bit <laughs> yeah but like that was a band that's very much a bonding agent for me and leon so is that something that you two can relate to with simple minds like it is your friendship formed around that band and a love of mutual, a mutual love of music in the same same sort of bands? Or yeah, it was it was Simple Minds that started that friendship. I mean, Sean and I we were in primary school together, but we weren't really in the same sort of group. Um, it wasn't until we went to uh, you know the the high school that we got talking, and then it was really um, around music. So I think I think yeah, the 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 commonality with um, Simple Minds has really helped but yeah we've both got a really strong passion for music so i think that was it really simple minds just happens to be part of that um passion i suppose so sean what would some of those other bands be well sean and i we've been so from simple minds we went to see other bands as well so we've been to see u2 springsteen adam and the ants the cure then jericho big country in excess oh wow Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> yeah, Belinda Carlisle. Where is she now? But, God knows. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I guess that was the catalyst was was Simple Minds, I guess, really. But would I would I really bother with Sean if Simple Minds didn't exist? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, well, well Sean, Sean and I, I think Sean, with Sean and I, we have this passion for Simple Minds. So that's, uh, you know, a common thing between us. But Sean's got other interests as well that I don't share. You know, I mean, Sean's heavily into football, um, bird watching, um, <laughs> cleaning, cleaning products. He, he loves the James Ross and the kind of Mr. Muscle, which I'm not really into. But but we're still really good friends. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't mention your uh, French restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> <a> family show. <laughs> well, here we go then. So. John, John, you've been sharing many, many photos in our WhatsApp chat. Um, so I would like to know, when does the restraining order get lifted? <laughs> but uh, Sean, can you, um, would you like to speak on maybe the first time you went to see him live? Yeah, well, um, I said we were 
we were still at school. Would have been 86. Actually, that's the year we left. And, um, yeah, you know, we, we, we obviously got, got Pally through the band. And then, um, I remember John saying to me, so they're, they're doing some outdoor shows in the summer. Um, one was, which was the, uh, Milton Keynes bowl. And, um, he said, you up for it? And I said, yeah, too right. And, um, yeah. And, uh, so John went off and, uh, bought the tickets and, uh, any problem then was, uh, as we were only 16, sorry, 15 was getting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, luckily, luckily the, uh, yeah, the old man, he, he drove us there and, um, Fortunately, the World Cup was on at the time, so he dropped us off at the uh, the bowl and went off into town to watch the football. So, it, you know, it, it wasn't that bad after all. But that's yeah, a big excellent. old place, though, the bowl at Milton Keynes. I, yeah, I it saw, is. It, it I is, saw, yeah. like, a, like, a little mini festival there. It was, it was, like, Metallica and Marilyn Manson and all there, and it's two stages, and it was absolutely packed. So what? who else would have been on the lineup? Well, the first band on was in Chewanua. From yeah. Dublin. Irish band. Yeah. yeah. Really good band. Uh, Leslie Dowdle on the vocal. We had the Bangles, Sean's other favourite, Susanna Hoff. Oh, oh yes. Everybody's mm. favourite. <laughs> Who else, Sean? The Water Boys. The Water Boys and the Colts. Yeah. Wow, that's a great lineup. Yeah. 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 That was the first day. So the second day was on the Sunday, the 20th. Sorry, Sunday the twenty second, and they had um, we didn't go to that one, but it was Lloyd Cole, Doctor and the Medics, wasn't it? Was it Doctor and the Medics? Yeah, I think we had the best deal the day the day we went. Definitely. Oh yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, jo John and I have played on the same bill as Doctor and the Medics. Wow, we, we have, haven't we? <laughs> we have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, claim to fame. The mighty have fallen. <laughs> <laughs> so home. How many times do you reckon you've seen them then? Like, and do you always go together, or if you see, you know, it's it, John. John's ahead of me. I think oh, right. I'm in. I'm in the forties. Bloody hell! Uh, John's John's in the fifties. Sean, I think Sean had a lull in the late nineties. I think Sean had a lull. Well, the band had a bit of a lull. I was going to say, so did the band. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm on fifty-five now. So yeah, Sean and I usually go together. Yeah. Um. But like I say, the late 90s, I think there was a bit of a lull. Um, one of my favourite gigs was um, going to Dublin in the Olympia Theatre, very small, intimate venue. Yeah, that was great, down the front. Uh, sadly, Sean wasn't with me that time, but um, he got to hear about it. He still does hear about it. <laughs> is, that when you, is that when you nicked Jim Kerr's shoes? <laughs> no, I didn't nick them. I bought them from a shop in Hereford it's called the Dinosaur Market. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah we wow. love the Dinosaur Market. Yeah, going back to the late 90s, it was after the, it was around the Neapolis tour, sort of like 97, 98. Um, Simple Minds, uh, the, the road manager was Stan Tippins, and he was a bit of a crusade of the Hereford United Football Club. And Stan Tippins also helped to run the Dinosaur Market shop in Hereford, which was owned by... Pete Overond Watts. From Liverpool. Yeah, was, yeah, well, Stan Tippins, the road manager for Simple Minds, he was the original Mott the Hoople singer, um, but he, oh. he became their manager. Oh. Anyway, so he was running the shop, and I got to know him a little bit, and um, he said he had some items donated to the shop from the band. Um, so lo and behold, I bought... Um, Jim Kerr's shoes that he wore throughout the 97-98 Neapolis tour. 
Ah. And a Jimka. Are you the same size as him? Or? Perfect fit. Yeah. Excellent. Perfect fit. <laughs> so what you're telling us is, you didn't nick them directly from Jim Kerr. You shoplifted them from the dinosaur market. <laughs> yeah, they cost me uh, 12 quid. And I bought a shirt as well. And a friend of mine also bought um, Mel Gaynor's sweater, which oh. which, which he wore. The shoe, the shoe is also featured on... Um, there's a great, great footage on YouTube, you know, um, TFI Friday with uh, Chris Evans. Mm. And the band performed War Babies and uh, Waterfront, I think. And Jim was wearing the shoes then. So, yeah, it was quite a nice, quite a novel thing to have if you're a collector mm -hmm. of Simple Minds memorabilia, which I was at the point. Just quickly before we move on, John was talking about going to see them in um, Dublin. Have you got a favourite gig, Sean, that you've seen them? My favourite gig, I've seen them. Mandela? What, the second one? Oh, whoa! <laughs> That's another story. That's another story. No, I think maybe the first one you enjoyed more. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the, the Milton Keynes, the first one, was 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 unbelievable. But I think probably where we've seen him in the smaller venues, Cardiff's always a good one, and because you always get down the front mm -hmm. in Cardiff. Yeah. Where about is that? Is that St David's Hall or somewhere? Uh, the, the the arena, isn't it? Oh, right. Okay. We always seem to we always seem to get down right on the uh, barrier for for that one. They've they've always been good ones. Yeah, Paris, Paris was good. Yeah, Paris was a good trip. Yeah, um, Gla Glasgow, um, that was a good gig. That had been good Ho hometown gig, right? Yeah, yeah. The cr oh yeah, the the crowd were were brilliant that night. But um, I mean, I've I've never you know been gone to a a Myers gig and been disappointed. I mean, probably. Be, the only, the only one I was the they did an acoustic tour, and I think mm. John agree with it, it wasn't you know it, it, it was okay but um I, I wasn't you know was a, that a, off the back of the acoustic album they put out a yeah, years ago? yeah 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 because I've had that on today that record and I okay. really enjoy I really enjoyed it really yeah oh, yeah okay. yeah but then obviously I'm not a massive fan of all the you know of the original recordings am I so like as a piece I thought it was really quite cool actually. Okay, yeah, fair enough. It it mm. didn't blow me away. So Round Day Park was um that was one of the highlights I think. Um that was the uh, Street Fighting Years tour, the first. We saw him quite a few times on that tour, didn't we? Yeah, that was um, yeah, that twenty twenty third of July, I think it was, wasn't it? 89. Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, that was. The silences, I think, supported them, and all about Eve as well. You say I think supported him, but you fucking know. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell they're super fans <laughs> because they remember what like what pants they were wearing when they went to see him in Paris, right? And I can't even rem remember when my kids' birthdays are. That's the super fan that is. <laughs> yeah, well, some some dates some dates stick in my memory. You know, some gig dates. Certainly, Milton Keynes Ball on the twenty first of June eighty six, definitely, and Mandela. 11-6-88, all great gigs. But yeah, Leeds was pretty special because that was our probably, was that our third gig, Sean? I think it was, yeah. Third gig. I think it was the, it was the first one where we were we both passed our driving test by then so we could actually get there ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we went in my little blue Fiesta. Yeah, I remember that, mate, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Happy um, days. I've got a couple of... 
just a couple of quick ones because they obviously they're still making music now it's not like they're a a full-on heritage act so they're still making new music and i'm presumably they're still touring so have you got plans to seeing them in the near future or yeah so there's no tour dates announced for this year which is disappointing the album came out last year i think it's a pretty good effort you know for a later album um so i was expecting some sort of tour dates to be announced but it hasn't been yet um and the other thing and to both of you really is was there a point when you kind of thought yeah these are my band and i'm going to stick with them whatever they put out they'll always get a second chance do you know what i mean because sometimes you get bands and you like them but then there's a maybe one album isn't quite what you were hoping for maybe not quite as good but you'll always give the record after that one you'd always give them the benefit of the doubt because they're your band but there's yeah usually a point where you decide whatever they put out i'm gonna these are my band now. Yeah, basically. I mean, I'm not, um, I would buy all the albums that came out, you know, and I'd look forward to them. Um, and I like them in different ways. Um, some albums are stronger than others. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, yes, I've been obsessive over the years. Um, but I would, you know, I would happily criticize some albums. And I think there are a few weak ones in the collection. Um, but yeah, it's hard not to go and see the band. It's, it's become a way of life, really. But is is there a point where you can you put your finger on a point where you went where that kind of switch flipped, if you like, and they became the band? Uh, for, for, for me, I, I would say a lot alive and kicking. Um, so I, I bought the previous album, um, alive and kicking came out. That 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 blew me. That was just. And I thought, yeah, this 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 is my band, you know. I mean, I was I was into a lot of other stuff, but uh, I think that track for me, and and then when the uh, the album came out, Once Upon a Time, yeah, and you know, and I've just thought, yeah, this this this, this is my band now. This, yeah, this is my number one band, definitely. Do you think at the point that you decided that the release um, schedule and quality was really consistent? Do you think that's part of why people get into bands is that the music is of a certain standard and stays there for a consistent period you know where they're consistently releasing really good stuff is that is that what caught you because do you think that if you'd heard that and then heard a couple of songs afterwards and they were particularly good would you still be a fan do you think um yeah i I, I suppose at, at that point, the, obviously the the don't you had come out in the summer, and I, you know I said I wasn't the greatest fan of it, but you know it went to number one in America, um, did well over here, and I think at that point they were definitely one of the you know top bands in the world. And the other, the other thing is around that time, um, they remember the the tube that used to be on sort of Friday tea time. And they screened, uh, um, they recorded um, from that tour that was going on a gig in Rotterdam. And I remember um, watching it and recording it off the tube. And again, that was one of the, uh, I, I mean, I must, I must have watched that. Well, I wore, I wore the VHS out, to be honest, watching it, watching it that many times. Because that, again, that, and that was, you know, I thought, well, I've got, we've got to see this band live. You know, it, it was, it was, it was so it was so good for, you know for me. I think mean, mm. John 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 will definitely agree that that, that you know, 
I just I just love what Jim was wearing. <laughs> you know, I've been, looking at, I've been looking at some pictures and just like you see the style move through the ages and as they get older themselves. The you shoulder know. pads get smaller. Yeah. Well, no, no, it's not <laughs> even that because like, I didn't realize quite, and I think we'll get into it later on. Like, I didn't really, like, only knowing the the singles, I didn't really get all like the punky influences. I never really associated them with like a as a post punk band, if that makes sense. Right. Mm. But like listening to some of the stuff on the is it Life in a Day, the first album. There's some of that stuff on there. It's like, yeah, I can see. Obviously, they've been influenced by what's going on in the scene at that time, you know. So, I was I was pleasantly surprised going back to listen to that one. Record for Bands is produced by Rob Jones. Please support me on Patreon so you can stop spending all our money on podcast stuff and buy me a new toothbrush. John, were you playing keyboards before you got into Simple Minds, or are they a major influence on your choice of instrument? Shall we say? Um. No, I wasn't playing keyboards then, but yes, they have Mick McNeil, you know, was in the band at the time when I got into Simple Minds and and he was a great loss when he went, um, as most Minds fans would tell you. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I guess I've been inspired by uh, Mick McNeil on keys and other <clears throat> other bands with keyboards, you know, Marillion also. No, so what's the question? Sorry. <laughs> You've just about managed it. It's... it's... <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, no, it was just were, were the band or was Simple Minds like an an influence on your choice of instrument? So, like, like for instance, if in you know if you're into, I don't know, the Sex Pistols, would you have picked up a guitar like instead of a, instead of the keyboards? You know? So, um, I got into the band at 15. I became a drummer at 17, um, and I used to you know listen to the big drums that you get on. Uh, once upon a time, you know, with Mel Gaynor, powerhouse that he is. Uh, so, yeah, I would often, you know, take my drums up to a, a local hall, plug a stereo in and uh, have Mel playing drums in my ears um, on headphones and just play along. So, yeah, that, that happened for me a lot uh, in the early days. Um, I actually didn't pick up the keyboards until um, many years, many years later. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say that um, when I like to play keyboards at home, I'm often trying to, you know, copy uh, some riffs from mm -hmm. Mick McNeil. Yeah. Do you play any Simple Minds in the band? We used to do Don't You Forget About Me, but I felt it was too rocky. Uh, we no longer do it. And recently we were doing Alive and Kicking. We, we used to do it years ago. We dropped it. It was too fast, in my opinion. But we've reintroduced it, and it's still not quite right. I don't think, Leon. What do you think? Um, yeah, this is where the super fan comes in there because there's a <clears throat> a vision and a, a, a an insight into how that song should sound. But for me, it sounds perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> But for, for somebody who's lived it and breathed it and listens to it day in, day out, I, I'm pretty certain I would be exactly the same if we were doing... Uh, and I am, to be fair, quite anal when it comes to how we play certain stuff. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
there's there's a uh, there's points where I'm pushing for something else when we're rehearsing stuff, and everyone's like, "Oh, fucking hell," you know. But I can't quite I can't quite put into words or convey what I want people to play. So I guess that's kind of where John's coming from is he knows how this should be and he wants it just so, and it's still not quite right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, Leon. But it's still I good. So think I also think it was losing the crowd a little bit. It's kind of a middle of the road track. Yeah. Um, and it kind of lost the audience a little bit. We kind of put it somewhere, I think, in set one, three quarters mm. of the way through. And yeah, people just didn't really get it, I don't think, generally. Yeah. Is that it's like the younger crowd didn't get it, do you think? Because it, yeah. it is quite an old song, you know, eight, what, 85, so a, yeah. a, a lot of the younger audience, they just wouldn't know what it is. I don't, I don't think. So I'm kind of pitching this show as a, you know, back to school, keep it simple, stupid, you know, simple minds for dummies, simple minds 101. So if school is in session, what would you say are like the entry level simple mind songs? Or is there like a particular album which kind of sums up the band nicely? It's like, this is the one that, if you don't like this album or these tracks, you're probably not going to get it. Is there anything that jumps out? For for, for me, I, I I would if if say right introduced me to Simple Minds, and I would I would add them Sparkle in the Rain because that was their first number one album, and it's still my favourite album. But then you could you could then hand them a copy of say the first album, Life in a Day. Which sounds completely different. It actually sounds like a a different band because you know the the the, um, the music is so different. But yeah, I, I, I personally, I, I would I would say Sparkle for for me anyway. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd go for Sparkle. Um, studio album definitely Sparkle to start somebody off. If I was to go for a live album, I'd probably recommend the Five by Five live album. Oh yeah, yeah. From the uh, 2011 tour. Yeah, great, great uh, album. That was really, really good. It gave a good feel uh, of the band live. It's uh, The 5x5 five five album was um, basically uh, songs from the first five albums they released. So I think that would be a good, good start. But Sparkle, definitely. Um, but that's what I like about, you know, Sean was saying about the difference between Life and the Day and Sparkle and the Rain. That's what I've liked about Simple Minds, they've changed over the years, you know. They're not mm. they're not frightened to change. Uh some some albums are just completely different. Have you been reading my notes? I haven't been reading your notes, no. <laughs> no. Because so, that's the next thing I was gonna ask. I was gonna say, like, um, have has the band changed since like those days when it was commercially successful? Because some bands have kind of different iterations as they go through their careers. So um, do you feel that they're doing different things now to what they were back at the height of their fame? Like almost as if now that like the commercial pressures are gone, are they now just making cool stuff that they want to make that maybe they couldn't do when they were massive? Well, the last album came out uh, last year. So many early influences in it, you know, just, and which I loved, you know, it was great to hear that's still going on. There's some, definitely some Celtic influence there, isn't it? Yeah, mm. but but I think there is there is a theme with Simple Minds. I think yeah, you, there's a very distinctive guitar sound that Charlie's got, you know. Um, but I'm just thinking now, comparing some of the albums. If you listen to Street Fighting Years from '89, it's 
just completely different, in my opinion, to most of the, all the other albums that they've released. It's a very, it's a very, that was a very political album, wasn't it? Street Fighting, yes. Yeah. Um, and then you've got um, Good News from the Next World, very guitar orientated, you know, not so big on the keyboards that you would have had on the previous albums. Um, I, I like I like you um, two. They like you two in the same sense that they experiment like them for me anyway. Mm. Okay. So we asked you to make us a playlist of your favourite songs, not like the entry level ones that we've just been talking about, but like your deep. I was expecting a you know a list of deep cuts, um, and I do have some thoughts, and I'm sure Leon has some thoughts. But we'll run through the ten tracks. So if you if we kind of go through them and tell us about each one and why it's on your list, and then we can jump in with a few thoughts and we can just chat amongst them between us. That'd be really cool. Right. So the first one on the play on the playlist that. I've been listening to is a uh, theme for great cities. Well, when we came to do the list, Sean picked five, I picked five, and we realized that we had some uh, duplicates. So we, uh, but it was important for us to choose 10 songs between us that gave a really good a mix of over the years. That's why we've introduced, like, I think there's one or two possibly uh, from the later album and some earlier stuff. So, yeah, theme for great cities for me. I think it's one of the best instrumentals I've ever heard. I just love that haunting introduction on the keys. It's literally, what, six notes or something. And that's, you know, repeated throughout the song. Very prominent bass. I'm not sure if you like the bass on it, Leon, but I thought I thought you probably would. And it's just the, the catchy riff in the chorus. So Charlie's, Charlie's guitar building up to the chorus. It's like a chopping effect, I think, really. And then you've got the keys, like an arpeggio effect on the keys. And it was off the um, Sister Feelings Call album. And then they actually used it on the, as a B-side in 91. Um, they remixed it, remastered it, and they used it as a B-side in 91 uh, for See the Lights. I think with that song as well, is the fact it's been sampled so many times by different um, bands over the years, which testimony to it, I suppose. Okay, so who's who's who would you sort of say... Top straight away, who's who's like who sampled it? Uh, Raven Maze, yeah, that was a big one, wasn't it? Raven Maze, yeah, real life by Raven Maze, which was a, a mix of Steve for Great Cities and um, the lyrics to Bohemia Rhapsody. Oh, okay. What did you think about it then, Leon? Well, for the opening track, um, having been with John for quite some time and and you know, shared musical experiences, I thought to myself, oh. I've got to sit and do this for a podcast. Um, straight straight in, I thought the bass was fantastic. Yeah. And I thought, oh, blimey, I wasn't expecting this from Simple Minds. So listen to it. Took me right back to Commodore Amiga days. It sounded like a theme tune from like a detective game you might have on a Amiga or a PC. Right. I'm just going to jump in, Leon, because I t- cause I, you're going down a similar road to me. One, right, I fucking loved it. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. And it sounded to me like it could have been on Blade Runner. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. It struck me as like it had elements of like Jean-Michel Jarre in it as well. Brilliant. Really sort of atmospheric, synthy rock pop. And I thought, well, oh, bloody hell, this could this could go somewhere. This could be a good, good playlist here. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed that track. I thought it was brilliant. And I, I wasn't expecting it. And I wondered if it was one that you'd put on to go, oh, this will screw them up. They won't like this. But <laughs> I, I thought if I was honest, well, when we put the list together, I thought Leon would like that song. I'm aware that there's about five that Leon doesn't like in the right. list of 10. And I'd love to have a guess of which ones they are later. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll tell you. Um, so the next one on the list, I don't know who's picked it, was Hunter and the Hunted. Uh, yes, Hunter and the Hunted. It's from the New Gold Dream album. If you go back to the, what was it, 82, it was released. And the likes of the Enemy, uh, Record Mirror, the, the magazines at the time. And they literally, you know, t- this was the, the bee's knees for them. It was probably the last album they made before they went more rockier. And uh, for me, it's just it's 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 a good album. And but this is this is the standout track for me. I love I love it. Yeah, and and it's um it's it's one they tend to do live. Okay, um, it's a, it's a gigged one. Good. Yeah, it's probably um I would say with Big Sleep the other track. I would say it's probably the ballad of the album. Sure, do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. It's 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 a fan's favorite as well. You 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 ask a lot of yeah, mine's fans. You know, top five tracks and 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 it's it, it does pop up a lot. I thought Leon would probably like the bass on that, and oh, also yeah. the the bass line really reminds me of a Faith No More track, which I can't quite put my. It's on the tip of my t- epic, yeah, epic, yeah. yeah. See, I, I'd love, I absolutely love the pull offs on the bass. I thought they were. Absolutely fantastic, really, really punchy, great bass sound. These the, the bass player whom I don't know the the guy Derek Forbes that would have been. What an incredible sound that is! It's it's a beautiful sounding bass. I got hints of Talking Heads, and again another great atmospheric orchestration. Um, really, really good. Street Fighting Years, beautiful track, lovely piano at the beginning. It's from Street Fighting Years album, you know, which is a very political album. I kind of like the big rolls on the drums. There's a lot of big rolls, a lot of big crashing cymbals in it. Um, lots of offbeat snare going on. It's a massive track. And I remember when they opened the tour with this. Um, do you remember, Sean? They they came from behind a big curtain. Yeah, the, the curtain dropped, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was quite dramatic, really. I like I like it's it's a very powerful song and it, it builds up to like a sort of sort of slow tempo to begin with, and it and you got the crescendo at the end. But it's 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 uh, it's the opening track on the album, and I think it it, it is it, you know you, you put that on and you just think yeah, wow, it, it's such a such a great opener for me. What I really liked was that, and again I caveat everything I say by you know I don't know a lot of their stuff. I know the the I know the the big singles, if you like. Um, it was the first time I could actually hear the Glasgow in his voice. Yeah. Not not all the time. It's not strong, but there's just little phrases he uses where you can actually pick yeah. it out, mm-hmm. you know. And I've and I really yeah. like that. And it and yeah, rather than just you know belting out massive choruses, he's actually there's. It felt like there's some of him in it. Sure, I think so. But for me, um, it was. So different. I mean, if you compare the albums, like uh, Once Upon a Time, and then the next album comes along, and it's Street Fighting Years, so completely different. That blew me away when it came out because of the difference, really. My favourite bit is uh, the bit where he goes, here comes a hurricane, and it goes into this massive drum roll, and there's some great keys that follow, and 
the synth where it's more almost strings like really just beautiful beautiful yeah so I'll, I'll reiterate what sean has said i really enjoyed the build-up i thought that was really good reaching to the crescendo at the end i really like the bass on this what i didn't like was there wasn't any bass on the bridge it was completely empty it was focusing entirely on other instrumentation there was no bass at all so that really cheesed me off a little bit to be honest with you. <laughs> just shook okay. bloody bassists <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, I put it to you two guys. Have you ever tried singing the opening verse to Dignity over the top of this one? <laughs> of Deacon Blue Dignity. Yeah, um, I'll try it later. <laughs> yeah, give it a go. Works a treat. Again, Deacon Blue are another band that previously, like before listening to this, it, you know, I would have lumped in. Yeah, Simple Minds. I would have lumped in with Deacon Blue. Absolutely, and... yeah. That sort of 80s sound, rightly or wrongly. So as soon as it started, I thought, "Oh, there's a man I meet." What's <laughs> I thought, "Yeah, it's there. It's done. That's it. Got it." <laughs> That's not to take anything away from the song, because I thought it was a really good song, but it did just automatically uh, the feel of it, that atmosphere. Yeah. it's very much along the lines of dignity and in the same key. I actually didn't think you'd like it, Leon. No, I. I as I say, I said to you in passing at the last gig we played that it surprised me how much I enjoyed listening to the songs yeah. on here. And there's about four or five that I really just didn't get on with. But those that is now three, three or four instead of four or five, because there's one I listened to today that I just didn't have a lot to say about. And I've listened to it again today and thought, oh, this has got a bit more going on than I thought. So, but moving on. Yeah, so the kick inside of me is the next one. And before you start talking properly about it, I will say that on this play, this this is the first one where it kicked in. And I went, ah, that's definitely simple. Right. Mind. Yeah, yeah, that that was. It, it had that signature guitar sound, and it was just all there. Yeah, it's it's um sparkle. Yeah, from sparkle, from sparkle, they was a massive change in direction of the band where they went far more you know heavier rock rockier more more guitar based uh, and i said it's for me it's a perfect album and, and this is the icing on the cake this this track for me it's, it's almost um it's almost like a punk song you know to, to me it, it, but um the only downside to this song i've never actually we've never heard them play it live which 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 is, is, is so sad they just, they just don't do it. Literally, that's in my list. This would be great live. Yeah. Yeah. This this is, out of the playlist, this is my favourite. Yeah. I've listened to this quite a few times and thought this is an absolute banger. Yeah. yeah. It's a total banger. It is. It is. It is. I'm glad you, I'm glad you agree. It, it, it is. It's almost a punk song, I think. Yeah. This yeah. is this is where the Led Zeppelin influence cut kicks in here okay. for me. The keys are literally pulled straight out of Carousel. That rotating, looped, synthy, oh, it's just total zep, complete and utter zep. Love it. And I think, I think Sean, so Derek Forbes on bass. I think because that, that's a great bass line, and he's you know, yeah. He's, I think his fingers bled. Is that right? When he yeah, that, that's that's just that's the, uh, that's the story the is when they rec when they recorded it, his fingers. Glad, so perhaps that's the reasons why 
Why well, doesn't get played like maybe? <laughs> it's a it's a brilliant baseline. It is an absolutely it's brilliant baseline, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. But I love but the introduction, I, 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 Jim on the very it's just brilliant. That obviously repeats later on in the song. If um, if if you'd if you played if you put new gold dream on and then took that off and play, and played this, you you'd be you'd be like, Oh my god, what the hell's going on here, wouldn't you? You know, yeah. Is that the same band? You know, you're just so the, the difference between those two albums is, is unbelievable, you know. Well, just on the playlist, listening to uh, so many of the different tracks, there's the ones that I lean towards are the rockier ones, and the ones that I've I literally listed as my least favourite are the slower of the, the, the numbers. Okay. But, yeah, as soon as this one, the first three tracks, I thought, yeah, oh, this is listenable, really, really, you know, not what I expected at all. Mm. But as soon as this one come on, it's like, oh, this this is this is where I'm at. This is really good. Totally, yeah. I, I'd play that. If we turned around and said, um, we're looking for a new track in the band, and John turned around and said, oh, let's do the kick inside. Like, yeah, go on, man. <laughs> let's do it. Just don't let your fingers bleed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the top track of the album, and I think um, it's it's the icing on the cake, mate. I I, I just it is uh, uh, for me, you know, the bees knees, really is. Um, so who chose "Stay Visible"? I think that was one of mine as well. I think the um, we I said when we when when we initially did our we we matched up on a few tracks, so I had a rethink. Uh, this is uh, this is one of the later. I think what year is this, John? Is it this is on black and white? Yeah, it'll be two thousand five. Yeah, again, it's it's an opening, it's an opening track for the sort of the latter albums, if you like. It, it's it for me, it's pussy. It's a, it's a standout track. I I do love how we refer to you know we get to an age and you, you go oh yeah it, it, it's it's a later album and then you have a look and it's like nearly twenty <laughs> years old. They've been yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. To, 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 to me it's still one of, yeah yeah i know i see where you're coming from but yeah i do it all the time with pearl jam i'm like oh yeah i'm not so keen on their later stuff but riot acts great and then riot acts like 20 years old this year so it's like <laughs> i think sean's right there i mean it's a great opener i think it's the standout track of the album there's a there's another song on the album that i particularly like just as much but we'll come to that one yeah Catchy piano riff all the way through, and yeah, um, I love the uh, I love the way he says the word desperate. But he, the lyrically, he says uh, desperate to make it fit with the rest of the lines. And you were talking about his Glaswegian accent coming through, uh, Rob earlier, and it does on this one as well. I think certainly towards the end of the song. But on "Stay Visible," there's quite a repetitive snare feel, just going into okay. the chorus. It's the same pattern that he plays just before the chorus, which I quite like. That that stands out for me. No, it's, it, it wasn't one of my more favourite tracks. First four, yeah, I could listen to those four quite happily. This is where it I start to drift off a bit because it's not quite punchy enough for me. Okay, I I I was I was listening to this on the bus, like this playlist on the bus coming home from work one day because I've had it, I've actually had it on quite a bit. I, I think I texted Leon. I was just like, the bass on some of this stuff that these boys have put together is phenomenal. Like, some of the, I thought it'd be right up his street. Um, but the next track on the playlist is In Trance as Mission. 
Yeah, so I think I put this on the list, I think, Sean, didn't I? It's one of yours, mate, yeah. Yeah, it's, so one of yours. it's not actually one of my favourites. I mean, it's probably maybe a, a a top 30 track for me, but I put it on um, to try and widen the the scope, really, uh, especially for Leon, because I thought the bass was really catchy with, oh, right. with weird timing. I thought you'd appreciate that. He won't like the weird timing. Well, I was just thinking he's going to come back and say he doesn't like it now. This is... <laughs> I mean, I could do that all night. Do you want me to? Okay. Yeah, it's a very very repetitive song, I think. But I particularly chose it for Leon. So go for it, Leon. Uh, it's the weakest track <laughs> on the list for me. <laughs> I think... rocky enough. No, it isn't. It isn't. And I think I picked up on the 4 2 time. Is that what it is? 4 um, 2. Yeah. It's it was 1 2 3 4 1 2 1 2 3 4. Yeah. And I, I picked up on that and thought that was an interesting, but I just felt like it, due to the fact it was a, of a looped nature, I, it just didn't go anywhere. And I really didn't get into it, especially after not really getting into Stay Visible, which I kind of have a little bit now. But having that stay visible, then in trance, at that point, I was thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> it was another one that for me was giving off sort of, um, and I know they came before, really, but like Faith No More vibes, which isn't oh, a bad okay. thing yeah, in my book. Well, yeah, I follow, didn't pick follow up Leon's on review. I mean, I was going to say I, I chose it especially for him because, you know, he's the best bass player we've got in front runner really but i'm actually <laughs> going to retract that statement <laughs> um so planet zero that's the newest is that the newest song on this playlist yeah so i chose i don't think leon's gonna like this one but i i, I didn't like this one no okay so I, I chose it for me it's one of my favorites off the new album um i just love the way jim sings i saw a whole world on fire i love that so much I think the keyboard riff's really poppy. It's got hints of early minds on it for me. Definitely a top three track for me on the new album. Um, I kind of appreciated the sentiment. It's very, um, it's very green. It's very eco, isn't it? And that's right up my street. So I appreciated the sentiment. I think. Yeah, that's how I that's how I understood the song. To be honest, that's what I took from it. Mm. Um, it just felt felt a little bit on the nose. I, I thought it was all right. I didn't think it was the worst song on there. To be honest, um, I thought at times it sounded a bit craftworky, yeah. yeah. And I thought Jim Kerr at points sounded like he was um, just at points. I thought, oh, this it sounds like it almost sounded like a different singer, which sounds really strange. I don't know whether that was intentional or well, whether it was, I mean, um, maybe I don't know. I mean, craft, craft work are one of their influences, uh, yeah. It definitely felt yeah. craft working yeah. to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on tomorrow and uh, see see where they're coming from. I, I, it's something I haven't picked up myself, but I'll, I'll definitely give it a listen tomorrow and uh, uh, and see what see if I can see if it's noticeable. Uh, I can notice it. Uh. Yeah. So I don't think there was anything sort of stand out about that. It wasn't a terrible track. It wasn't like as good as the kicks inside the kick inside, but I think it was a solid, decent enough track. 
I thought uh, there was nothing wrong with it. Leon, I've just realised I don't actually know you as well as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only been, what, 22 years? <laughs> oh, you do stand You do stand at the back yeah. and I stand at the front, so it's slightly different, you know. You've got a great dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on, moving on. <laughs> Which one are you two Saturday, girl, for this list? That's mine now. This is... John, yeah. thank you. That is is amazing. Oh, I'm glad you like it. It's, it's, yeah. It's and so again, different. Again, I know, yeah, and it's his voice. Oh, again, it's just like, yeah. I agree. I loved it, absolutely loved it. Oh, I'm glad you liked it, yeah. So this, for me, I think... If I had to choose one favourite Simple Minds track, I think I'd end up choosing Saturday Girl. Um, it just, it moves me. It's a simple track. It, uh, probably up three chords. For me, Charlie's guitar break is just so catchy and melodic, very simple. And as you say, Jim's vocal, it's, it's so different to how he sings other songs. It just feels really intimate, doesn't it? And it feels it's like what, like I've said before, and other stuff where things are quite bombastic's the wrong word, but it's certainly big and anthemic a lot of this stuff. And this is just completely different. It feels very small room, and yeah, yeah, in, intimate's the best word really for it. I, I absolutely, yeah, I absolutely loved it. There's a lot of variety in the drums, I think, as well. Like in the percussion, there's lots of rim shots alternated with some sort of lazy snare going on, tiny little subtle rolls. I love the Hammond organ in it as well. Uh, but yeah, coming back to Charlie's lead break, I mean, I just love it. It's so, so catchy and melodic. It's actually a B-side, wasn't it? Saturday go. B-side, this is your land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I on my sheet of notes, I was listening to it at work and I got a notepad next to me that I'd make little notes about things. And... Um, all of the songs I've got something to say about, but Saturday Girl, I couldn't find anything to write about. The bass didn't stand out too much to me. I don't think I don't think it is one of those songs though. I think it's a song. Of, it's about it's a song that is all about feel and heart, rather than mm. musicianship and technicality and virtuosity, if you like. I think it's very much a songwriter's song. Yeah, I, th I think you're right because I, I kind of just sat and thought. Oh, right. Okay. And it went on to the next track, which I then had lots to say about. Mm. So I think in the middle of everything going on that was so bass heavy, this just didn't have that kind of same dynamic going on that I just kind of thought, oh, okay. The one thing I did put is uh, you could sing Emily Sanday's Next to Me over the top. Of the <laughs> no way. <laughs> Next yeah. to me. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, oh, no. Yeah. That's oh. going in the edit. <laughs> Go, going back to um, the Hammond organ, there's a lovely bit. So if if you if you do re revisit the song, so just before the Lee break, uh, Jim's vocal, uh, he says, "I know it's going to be right." And there's a lovely keyboard harmony to that line that I particularly oh, listen okay. for every time I play it. So check it out. Okay, I'll have a. Uh, I will be having a listen because I think that's the one thing I've taken away from this is that actually they're worth a, a deeper dive than I thought. So next one, the penultimate one on the list, Seventy Cities as the brings the fall. That's the third one. That's the third one off that album. It was picked off the same album. Off the same album. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Before we move any further, John, uh, Rob, can you just play that again? Got it. Keep going. Okay, stop there. Yeah, but this is 1981. Yeah, I'm just saying. Wait there. Is that coming through okay, Rob, John? Listen. What is it? Listen. What is that, Leon? That's Moonchild by Iron Maiden. That's incredible. As soon as it started, I thought, fuck me, it's Moonchild. (laughs) That's incredible. When was Moonchild released? 88. So they've nicked it off Simple Minds. Well, I know. That is incredible. I didn't know that. Well, Champion is as Love Brings a Four is a brilliant track. I mean, yeah. it's got that cow mooing sound all the way through it after each vocal <laughs> yeah. line. I love it. Yeah. I wonder what that was. I was thinking, is that something wrong with the headphones or <laughs> <Yeah>. what's this? <laughs> yeah. Breath is in, breath is out. You know, I, I, it's a great track. Now, they, they did this. This is the lyric version, but they also did the instrumental version, which is called Sound in 70 Cities. Oh, okay. Also right. features on the um, on the album. Okay, this this for me was second top in my list. Yeah, I loved the intro because it's got Maiden melodies in it. The layered Canon vocals were absolutely sublime. Yeah, absolutely beautifully done. Yeah, the vocals generally were standout. Yeah, superb, absolutely incredible. Deeper, moody, doubled up. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cracking, really, really good. I thought it could have been like background music on um, a Terminator film or something like that. A, yeah, an eighty sci-fi horror film. I thought it was ex- again Blade Runnery, Vangelis. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, very much so. Excellent, very much so. Was that your pick again? Was it John? Uh, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Is that you one of that your, album? Then is that is that one you you like as well, Sean? Um. Yeah. I. I, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't put it in my top 20 top 30 even um but it's from their period from their period where um well i wouldn't say they were unknown but they they, they certainly weren't commercially successful right okay uh, it's okay for me I'm, I'm not i'm not i'm not a big lover of it if i'm honest i quite often find that when bands go through their period of like commercial success that the period that follows where they're not as commercial um it, it almost becomes a time when they haven't got, they know they're not in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they write some of their best stuff because they just kind of put out what they want to produce. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, th- I think this is what I drew from this particular song was how well-crafted it was. Really well-crafted. So you like the vocals then, Leon, the, the distant echoing in the background. Yeah, yeah, all the layering, the sort of one person sings and the next person sings on the next yeah. half bar, and then it, yeah, it just works brilliantly. You don't, don't don't hear enough cannons these days, in my opinion, in popular music. Right, so the last one on the list, I'm I'm trying to keep track. It must be Sean's pick. Is I travel? Yeah, I travel. This is from the 
This is one of their earlier tracks. It's more of a you used to hear it in the nightclubs a lot. It was quite a, a, a you know a dance a dancey tune, and it's probably from that from the early period before they went sort of more rock rocky mainstream. This is this is my favourite track, and um, mm. I've got it on yeah. this album called Celebration. Is that right? It's on Celebration, and it's on um, whichever album is on. Empires and Dance here. It sounded to me a little bit like The Damned, but the, like later period, The Damned, almost as they're going into like their Eloise and Grim, Grimly Fiendish sort yeah, of yeah, era. Could, so when that. they're embracing the goffiness and you can, it's like almost punk rock that you can dance to. Mm-hmm. So this this would have been, what, 1981, John? Was this I Travel 81 or 81? Yeah. 81, is it? Yeah, I think it was 81, yeah. Isn't it 80? I and mean, you're looking at 81 for Sons of Fascination. See, going back to Rob's comment of um, punk rock that you could dance to, I've written this is literally, this could feature on a, a Talking Heads album, which by definition is punk rock you could dance to. Talk, it, it, this is so much like Talking Heads, it's unreal. Just everything about it just screams Talking Heads. But it also sounds a bit like Living on the Ceiling by Blamange. <laughs> you got a great talent there, Leon. Oh, I'm, gonna t- I'm glad I got Friday off for editing. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely, it was 80. I'm sure it was 80, sure, yeah. when Empires and Dance. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that, that early period, they were, they were banging albums out every six months almost, weren't they? Well, so... yeah. So if you think about it, right. So since the first album, okay, so Life in the Day. 79, wasn't it? Yeah. If you go to 82, they had they had six albums out. Yeah, they were, they were prolific in the early days, weren't they? Yeah. Sean, did you just say the word prolific? Prolific, yeah. Morning. Why? I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> <laughs> prolific. There you go. You read it twice now. <laughs> right. I'm gonna um I'm gonna start to wrap this up because if I feel we could just descend into chaos with the bandmates here and um, before i before i do wrap us up is there anything simple minds based that we haven't covered that you think that oh you need to know this or you should definitely listen to that anything jump a that we haven't covered yet we've mentioned the favorite albums which which we would recommend to other for an obvious which would be a spark in the rain um standout track for me to recommend would be saturday girl sean you you'd say hundred and the hunted for me, Hunter and Hunter, probably, yeah. Yeah. Anything else Simple Minds related to Provoked At Us? If you've never seen them live, do it. Um, they always, it's always a good show. I think one of the, certainly one of the appeals and why they did get to, you know, to be one of the biggest bands in the world in the 80s was definitely, you know, from, from the live shows. So if you do get a chance, lads, you know, grab a ticket. Would recommend. Brilliant. So that was Simple Minds for Simple People. I'll put a link to the playlist in the show notes. If you're not on Apple Music and want to be, then if you use our link, then that will give the show a little kickback if you take out a subscription. Leon will tell you it also works on Android devices too. I will put the playlist up on Spotify as well, but, you know, this Apple Music, if you're going to pay for a music service, use the one that will help us out. 
Also in the show notes will be the links to all our social media stuff. So if you want to follow us and there's also a link to the Patreon, which again will help me feed the kids some fresh fruit and vegetables or buy me some records. Cheers for doing that. Yep. Love you for that. John and Sean, thank you so much for coming to play. Have you had fun? Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Yep. Enjoyed it. Brilliant. I hope to see you alive and kicking on here again. Sorry. That's just shocking. Edit that out. Leon, I'll speak to you in the week. Just don't you forget about me. Sorry. <laughs> See, that's the other thing as well, though. He said we wouldn't get this done. We promised him a miracle and we got through it. Oh, my oh, day. No. I've been Rob Jones. We've been Records and Bands. Sorry. How good is fucking boring?